Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Diecast Movie Reviews. And today we're going to be doing the Tomb of Lygia. Why are you looking at me like that, Michaela? You didn't say the podcast part. You just said Diecast Movie Reviews, not the Diecast Movie Review podcast. The, the reason I didn't say the podcast, I figured if they were listening to us, they would know that we are a podcast. To cut in, we are the Diecast Movie Review podcast. Today we're talking about the Tomb of Lygia, selected by the dad. Yes, I selected Tomb of Lygia. I had fond memories of this film 30 years ago, and I thought it would be a nice rewatch with Vincent Price, Elizabeth Shepard, and directed by Roger Corman. Uh, but before we get into that, let's find out what's new with everybody here. Michaela, what's new with you since the last episode? Um, as of the time we're recording this, I start a new job tomorrow um, as a circulation clerk at a different branch of the same library system that I've worked in for the past almost six and a half years. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be different. It'll be a long day driving all over the county to get all of the paperwork and stuff done, but I'm excited about it. Uh, awesome. Yeah. What's new with you, Dad? Well, what's new with me, I wanted to highlight another podcast I've been listening to for the last um, few years, and that's the Classic Horrors Club podcast uh, with by Jeff Bowens and Rich Chamberlain, and they talk about horror movies from pretty much, I think, the beginning up into the 70s. I think they cut off at, at, at the end of the 70s. And um, they usually do two to four movies an episode. They come out monthly, and um, they try to theme it. Uh, they had a Fay Ray day, so they had all Fay Ray movies um, one time. Um, they've done Vincent Price movies and those things like and things like that. And they make it like a club atmosphere where they talk about different things that are going on in movies that are coming out. Um, very good to listen to. Both guys know their stuff. That's the Classic Horrors Club podcast. If you're not listening to it, add it on to your listen to. Ben, what's up with you? Uh, not much is new with me. I'm hoping I win this die roll and that I can get us to review some good movies for a change. Ben, you um, picked one of the movies. I realized that, but I'm meaning since then. And I'm really hoping to get some Woochie Demon Slayer up in here. That's my dream. Woochie Demon Slayer by 2020. This Woochie Demon Slayer better be something because you've been building this puppy up like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, now that you have expectations, there's no way it's going to meet them, but it is a great movie. Well, we'll talk more about it when you ever actually win the die roll with the genre that it, it's going to make it work. I and can't I can't imagine him making Gucci Demon Slayer work with musicals or animation. There's a song in it, and it has some animated parts. So I could. N no, you couldn't. Um... Anything else new with you? Anything else new at work? Oh, yeah, because Michaela left, I got more hours, which means I make more money now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Although I'm sad to see her go. Her last day was yesterday. Saturday. Yeah. And we work, we have an overlap on our shifts on Saturdays, so it was kind of sad to see her on her last day. But then we barely saw each other at all. What do you mean? We sat in the workroom and talked for like two minutes. 
That's a lot for a library. You say that, but you were checking in holds, and I was checking in... My holds. Well, yeah, I was checking in other holds, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but then you went off to shelf, and then I was in the passport office, and I didn't see you again. Oh, for the love of God, <laughs> you both live in the same house. I don't know how this is so sad. Yeah, but sometimes it's sad for him. she's just kind of gone for like, you know... I think Patrick said there was like six days in a row where he didn't see her and we we all live in the same house. I, I would like to point out it was 10 days and that's when I was still commuting to college. No, there was one time after you got back where you were just like in the basement for a long time. I would also you. like to point out that Patrick gets up at like six in the morning to go to school and I work in the evenings. So he's normally asleep when I come back. Okay, but nevertheless... Ben's just upset and sad because now he has big shoes to fill when he has more work to do at the library because Michaela was one of their best pages ever. Yeah. But now you're going to soon to be second best. What do you mean second best? You've worked there for over a year. You got years to go to catch up to her. All right, but nevertheless, we're going to move back into the tomb of Lygia. And um, give you a little summary of it. Burden Fell, played by Vincent Price, is shattered after the death of his lovely wife. But after an unexpected encounter with Lady Rowena, Rowena, played by Elizabeth Shepard, Fell soon finds himself married again. Nevertheless, his late wife's spirit seems to hang over the dilapidated abbey that Fell shares with his new bride. Lady Rowena senses that something is amiss, and when she investigates, makes a horrifying discovery, learning that Fell's dead wife is closer than she ever imagined possible. Dun dun dun. And I, and I think I did that more dramatically than most of the scenes in the movie, but <laughs> not, not, not to give away how. This is going to go. Uh, <laughs> so it stars Vincent Price and Elizabeth Shepard and was directed by Roger Corman. And this was Roger Corman's final Poe adaptation that he directed and did with all together and also did with Vincent Price. And um, for those that aren't familiar with Roger Corman, he's done either directed, produced tons and tons of films and gave lots of people their starts. Um, some of the ones that um, I like to look at and watch on occasion are A Bucket of Blood. That's a, it was a nice film. One day we might do that. The, the Wasp Woman is fun to watch. House of Usher. The Little Shop of Horrors got its start with Roger Corman and eventually went on to become the musical, which my daughter's never seen the original. Have you seen the original, Ben? Little Shop of Horrors? I've seen parts of it. Parts of it. So maybe one day, if I, the dice go the right way, the Little Shop of Horrors will come back again. Um, the, uh, the Mask of Red Death, which is one of my favorite Vincent Price movies. And um, let's see, there's one other one I wanted to make sure I mentioned. And Battle Beyond the Stars. And as for directors that he helped give starts to, I mean, some of these people you've heard of, James Cameron. Francis Ford Coppola, Joe Dante, Jonathan Demme. 
you know, went on to obviously have huge careers, and they all got their start with Roger Corman, including also a little known actor who got his start as a director, Ron Howard. So Roger Corman helped a lot of directors, actors, and everything get their start with his production companies. Who's Ron Howard? You don't know who Ron Howard is? No, Mikkel and I just made eye contact, and she lipped her mouth to me, who's Ron Howard, and I shrugged. I've literally never heard of him. This is what happens when you have a Generation X with two people that are Generation Z talking about different Excuse things. Excuse me? She's a millennial. Yeah. No, you're not. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. You're not. Yeah, she's the, the, the last year of the millennials. I don't think you're a millennial. Do you really want to be known as a millennial? I want to be known as Gen Z. Ooh. Okay, whatever I'm Gen the case. Z. She's a millennial. Big difference. I'm Generation X. But nevertheless, um, have you ever seen the Andy Griffith show, you two? Yes. He played Opie. Oh, the baby child. That guy directed stuff. Not when he was that age. <laughs> also, in Happy Days, he played Richie Cunningham. Okay, Which one Happy was Days. that? Which one? The redhead. The, the, old the one that looked like an older version of Opie. Yes. The one who what was pals with the Fonz. The one. Oh, that one. The show was basically about <laughs> Richie Cunningham and the Fonz. Well, I remember the Fonz. You gotta remember, yeah, the, the last time I watched Happy Days, I was like four. Yeah, they stopped replaying the reruns. Okay, okay. So, so you, this is this is just sad, people. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I must have done something wrong with these two. But for did you guys ever see Solo? Yes. No. All right. He directed. He took over the directing things for Solo. Have you seen uh, the Da Vinci Code? Or those yes. movies along those. Uh, we yeah. did see those. He directed those. Oh, okay, those are pretty I believe, sorry. if I remember right, I'm going off the top of my head, he directed Apollo 13. I haven't seen Oh, it. gosh, really? Yes, really. Hey, did you know somebody donated a VHS of Apollo 13 to the library the other day? We found it in the book drop. Here's a note to everybody that donates things to libraries. Don't donate VHSs. We're going to get rid of them. No, they usually sell them. Who's going to buy it? Some people do. We Some people also like this movie. We also have a, a VCR, Ben, so we, we could buy VHS. No, we're getting rid of our VHSs. No, There's we're not. Difference. We're getting rid of VHSs we don't need. We're transferring them to DVD. All right. No. Well, nevertheless, that's about the director. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. and in this film... He also spent, since he knew it was going to be his last Poe adaptation, they went on location to um, England. They um, had, instead of the normal two-week schedule, they had 25 days of filming on location. And it does show in the movie. It shows the, the, the outdoor scenes, the cinematography and everything is, is very well done. And they definitely utilized that they were not in the studio, you know, that they were out and about shooting this film. That's true. It did look like they tried really hard. Okay. And now we're going to move on to Ben to talk about the star of the film, Vincent Price. So there are really only two redeeming factors for me in this film. One of them was Vincent Price. Vincent Price was born in 1911, and he is a very good actor. He has been in many movies, such as The Abominable Dr. Fives, Theater of Blood, and House of Usher. 
several of which have also been directed by Roger Corman or have been Poe adaptations. Um, Vincent Price also has two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and one on... I said that last week. He also has one on the St. Louis (laughs) Walk of Fame. Um, There's a St. Louis Walk of Fame? Yeah, it says it right here on Wikipedia. I'm face palming people. I know you can't see this, but I'm just face palming that the, the the amount of research that Ben goes to deep deep dives into these things. Hey, I checked the source. Part of it, it seemed solid enough. It was a picture of the St. Louis Walk of Fame, <laughs> so I figured it was real. Um, if you live in St. Louis and you hear this and you're like, we don't have a Walk of Fame. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. Yep. And oh, in this one, Vincent Price plays a very good role. It was a good role that was well suited for him because it it kind of captures both types of characters that he's played throughout his theatrical career where part of the time he's this more heroic character. And the other part, he's crazy and trying to kill things. Yep. So does any anyone else want to add anything to that? Well, we said a lot of this last um, episode with Theater of Blood, but Vincent Price is one of our favorite actors. Um, I've loved him since I've seen him in tons of films and that kind of stuff. And again, we talked to Victoria Price about him, so there's not really much, I think, stuff to add about Vincent Price. What okay. about Elizabeth Shepard, Mikhail, the co-star? All right. So Elizabeth Shepard was born August 12th, 1936. Um, she's an English character actress who has had a long career on both the stage and in movies and television. Her acting began on television. Um, originally, She was the original choice to play Emma Peel in the British TV series The Avengers. However, um, after two about two filming to about two episodes, uh, she left and was replaced by Diana Rigg, who we talked about last time because she was in Theater of Blood. Um, She's appeared in many Broadway features. Uh, She was in Barry England's Conduct Unbecoming which is a story about a British army soldier in India. And in this film, Elizabeth Shepard played both Lady Rowena and Lygia, which I thought she did very well because I liked how... Well, I'll get into that more once we get into here, the actual review and stuff of the movie. Um... More recently, she has been teaching at Stella Adler School, and she starred in December's Fools in 2016 at the Abington Theatre in New York, and in 2014, she was in a Canadian production of Driving Miss Daisy, and more recently, she is releasing an audiobook of Edgar Allan Poe's Lygia, along with a couple other Poe tales on CD. 
And actually, I can tell you that that is released, and I'm a, she's been touring around the country, um, supporting it. And I got to hear her do um, a, an excerpt of Ligia live at the Mid Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, and um, uh, she really has a, a dynamic voice, you know, and did a really good job with it. And um, for those wondering, our next episode will be, I got a chance to interview Elizabeth Shepard. And it was about a 35, 40 minute interview after she did her um, Q&A at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention. And um, so it was, it was very nice. And she talks about a lot of different things. And she also talks a little bit about Vincent Price. And she talks about her other co-star, the cat, in the movie. And um, gives some different stories about different things in her life. So... I highly recommend if you want to hear more about Elizabeth Shepard, we have that interview coming up, and you can get her CD or audio book. You can get the audio version of the Ligia. Um, it's out there now. Um, we'll put on our web, on our Facebook page and, uh, and on um, the description thing, we'll put a link to it. So for those that want to um, buy it and listen to it themselves, it is out there. Okay. So, Ben, we'll start with you because I think – you don't have too much about this to say. What are some of the things you liked about the movie, Ben? Well, Vincent Price was in it. Roger Corman directed it. Elizabeth Shepard was in it. There was a cat that was featured prominently in the film. Um, and it was based on a poem written by Edgar Allan Poe. Based on these five things, I expected it to be a pretty good movie. I was very wrong. And those were basically the only five things that I liked about it. Okay, so so so, what did you like about Vincent Price? We'll start with that. Uh, his character's progression throughout the film, I guess I enjoyed because he started off as kind of a weirder, quirkier character, who then started to seem just like a normal person, and eventually he went crazy trying to kill a cat. Like, he, he was trying to kill a cat, and he was losing. He basically lost that fight. The cat gouged out his eyes. Vincent Price is what, like 6'2"? This was not a normal cat, though. I'm pretty sure it was a normal cat. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a normal cat, Ben. In the context of the movie but that's the thing this movie didn't make sense we're talking positives right now Ben so let's move on to Michaela and then we'll, before you start going off on a rant Michaela what are some what are some positive things you had about the movie I really liked the acting done by both Vincent Price and Elizabeth Shepard um, I enjoy how she played both the roles of Lady Rowena and Lygia and how there's one point in the movie where um, Vincent Price's character has hypnotized Rowena to make her remember things about her mother and her childhood. And so at some point during that hypnotism, uh, Lygia ends up taking control of Rowena. And you can just kind of see it on her face, the way how she holds her mouth the way her eyes are and just how she has able to change the muscles in her face to make it looks like she's a completely different person um and how she's able to do that it was just 
great. It was probably my favorite part of the film was that one scene. It kind of reminded me of Christopher Reeve and Superman where, he, where when you see him as Clark Kent, you see him as Superman, it's the same person, but with a change in posture and facial expression or whatever, it's able to look like somebody different and act like somebody different. And uh, how she was able to just do that little transformations, you know, just to play that different role. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things I've mentioned earlier, I really enjoyed, <coughs> excuse me, the cinematography of it. The outdoor scenes were, were lusciously shot. I mean, you really got to, again, the sense that you were there in the outdoors at the, um, you know, at the Abbey and all those things, um, which, which also could be a negative, which we'll get to later on. I mean, it, you know, maybe they spent a little too much time outside. Uh, other things, I agree with both of you. The acting, I think, was was excellent in the film. You know, I don't think any of us have any problems with the acting. Uh, it, it was very well done. Vincent Price did a nice role, going for like Ben said, his changes, that kind of stuff. And Elizabeth Shepard with playing her dual role, though most of the time she was she was one type of character. Um, also, I wanted to bring up, I'm trying to remember. His name, <coughs> mm. his name, but the manservant that was there, um, he did a really good job of trying to protect Vincent Price and going through his parts. And uh, the cat was just excellent. There's, um, I found that from talking to Elizabeth Shepard, there was many cats, and that the best cat that they had was a cat that was. At the local, like this one Abbey thing, was it was a, a family's cat or whatever, and they ended up using it. And he said that was the one that was the best natural acting cat. And when Vincent Price had to throw the cat, it it left and never mm -hmm. came back. It basically was like, oh, I'm not taking any of this crap. I'll see it. And they could not find the cat. She hopes the cat eventually went back to its home. But uh, I can understand Cat's point of view. It's like you put me in this, really? Come on. <laughs> so it's uh, but that was. You know, the, the acting cats, you said, didn't do as well. The trained cats weren't as good as the natural cat. Now, the interesting thing, I, I know a lot of people call this a horror film. I don't think of this is a horror film, having seen it again. And it's been, like I said, the first time I saw it was decades ago. Uh, to me, I think it's more of a supernatural drama, if anything. What do you guys think? Maybe a psychological thriller would be more of a apt description for it because it's mostly all it's it's mostly all in their heads and that's what I'm saying thriller Ben because it's confusing and that could be deemed I don't know kind of scary I, I'm not sure you could say anything about this movie was thrilling except for the last scene where Vincent Price is fighting the cat. And the Abbey catches on fire? Well, yes, when Vincent Price essentially, after basically losing round one to the cat, accidentally knocks over a thing that's on fire because there's a random fire pit in this room and essentially burns down the Abbey with him and the cat in it. 
he does choke the cat out. Yeah, well, a blind squirrel finds a nut on occasion. He was blind at that point, yeah. So you're saying a blind Vincent can find a cat on occasion. Yes, thank you for stealing my luck. That's what I'm here for. But did you guys notice that the le- when they, they showed Vincent Price down, he was not laying next to a dead cat? I know, he was laying next to Legia, whose body he had burned previously. Which is why I say it's supernatural. I think the cat was possessed by the spirit of Legia and was doing her bidding. Oh to yeah, be I honest, figured that out from the beginning. Well, that's why I'm saying it's supernatural. You know, it's not... To be honest, after the marriage, I was so confused as to why Vincent Price's character and Lady Rowena even got married that I couldn't piece together what else was going on because it made no sense. And I was just so confused. It it was like one minute he was trying to strangle her, the next she was crying in a church tower while a bell was ringing, and then they were married. That literally did happen in about a minute. It, I, I After that, I was so dumbfounded and trying to figure out what happened so that I could like accurately explain why it happened that I didn't understand anything in the rest of the movie. So what happened after they got married was they went on their honeymoon and they traveled to all those different places and then they went back because they needed to sell the abbey but like they, and then Vincent Price went crazy. But they couldn't sell it because it was in Ligia's name and there was no death certificate? Correct. Ligia was yes. never declared dead by a doctor, so there was no death certificate. So they were going to have trouble moving the house or selling the house. Yeah. Also, that's the thing. Like, What's the market on Abbey's? Is there like a group out there that just buys Abbey's? This place looks like a dump. Like The outside scenes, all these walls are down inside of it. A lot of the rooms are like big, wide open rooms with rock walls, but they also have like weird windows where it looks like no one would ever want to live there. There's maybe like two decent rooms that you could sleep in, and one of them is the one that Elizabeth Shepherd sleeps in. What's the other one, Ben? The one where Lygia is just laying there. What about Vincent Price's room? I don't think he ever sleeps. But it's a pretty nice looking room. Oh, he, we, we found that he does sleep, but in a special place. Yeah. Um, I actually, I like the look of the whole Abbey thing. I thought it looked nice on the inside. I thought they had nice roomy rooms and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, once they cleaned it up, I mean, you first went in there, there was only one guy trying to keep it clean, and he was not doing a good job. But when they got married, they hired more servants, and the house was cleaner. And there was fresh flowers and other stuff. And I, I, don't, I don't see where you think this is a dump. It's just... It has ambiance. It has, it has character. It's a character house, Ben. Well, like, the other thing I had issues with is starting off with the house was really dark in the beginning of the movie. And I guess that was kind of a motif because it got brighter as the movie went on and then got really dark again. Or like a theme or something. But in the beginning of the movie, Vincent Price is also wearing these weird glasses because apparently he can't see in bright lights or something. It reminded me a lot of House of Usher, which was kind of confusing to me because it kind of went away when they got married and didn't really come back. Until they returned and then he put the glasses back on. I think it was the spirit of Lygia possessing him. 
the reason he needed the glasses was because he was normally awake at night and so and slept during the day so his eyes were adjusted to the darkness more so than the light and then I'm guessing they skipped a chunk of time when they got married so he probably as they got closer to getting married readjusted to the light instead of the darkness that's why the glasses went away and as you can guess people we've, we've moved from likes to dislikes when 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 Ben started talking so just so everybody knows are we supposed to be talking about likes still not anymore we've moved on I think ben. That ben you moved us you moved us to the dark area there's a lot more to talk about but let, let Michaela have her chance now all right Michaela what's something you didn't like in the movie well, the main, I guess the main thing that I really didn't like was how it seemed like they jumped from one thing to the next and there wasn't as much development in the story as I probably would have liked. Like like Ben was saying about um, how... One minute Vincent Price was strangling Elizabeth Shepard, and the next they were getting married. Like, that didn't make much sense to me at all. And then, when, um. Oh, what was it? Oh, then, when they're back and they're married, this random doctor guy is there. We haven't met him before. Why is he there? Why does he even bring up hypnosis? It's never been talked about before, but it ends up being a relevant plot point. You see, by that point, I had given up trying to figure out what was going on, and I was like, oh, sure, there's the doctor, and he's going to talk about whatever they need to advance the plot. And really, this is nobody's fault, but whoever adapted this into a screenplay. It was... Or whoever edited it, because it had a lot of weird cuts where it went from, like, the crazy shot of Vincent Price trying to help Elizabeth Shepard's character, Lady Rowena, off of this bell tower thing to, like, a hard cut to them getting married and the people in the crowd and the one guy that, I guess, was her boyfriend before looking super salty. No in-between? Yes, the, the, the story for the movie was written by Robert Town and Paul Meyersberg, or Myersberg. And I agree with you both. The screenplay, I think, is, is was very weak. And I think, because we said the acting was good. We're not arguing with the directing, unless the directing didn't, you know, did things different than was in the screenplay. It's hard to say without having read the screenplay what it was supposed to happen. And Roger Corman is, has been known to try to fix, like he would be able to fix things for... Uh, pacing or whatever but my biggest problem with the film is the pacing it's just especially early on at first it's an it's an 80 minute film 81 minutes or something like that and the first hour 50 minutes hour is moves very slowly and also goes really fast then really slow really fast <laughs> but i mean it's just but it does, the slow parts it doesn't set up that well, the parts, the parts were just jumps things, like you guys said, where suddenly they're married, boom, it was um, 
a quick thing, you know, going on there where they could have put at least a little time of lapse, like, oh, one month later or two months later or something, you know, in there to, to make it sort of like some time, a passage of time would have been more obvious going on. So there, so the, it just seemed, I think, because they were on location, and I th- one of the things I liked about it was the filming of the location spots, but I also think that's what st- started the film off so slowly is that they're spending so much time on those locations. I think I did look up the writers just now while you were talking, and they one of them seemed like he had written some pretty good stuff. Like, I think it said that he had written Roman Polanski's Chinatown or was involved in the writing of it. Yeah, Roman Polanski's Chinatown, which is considered one of the best screenplays ever written. So I'm guessing he is a good screenplay writer, Robert Town. But at the same time, it could have also just been they had a long movie written and they did have extra days to film. And they might have filmed like 40 more minutes of footage that filled in everything that we thought that I didn't understand and like filled in everything, showed time and explained what was going on. But then whoever edited it just cut and mashed everything together to like keep important plot points and got rid of the development because in the first half of this film really until they get back from their honeymoon it's like you're watching romeo and juliet and then it cuts out the scene where they talk on the balcony and the scene where leading up to the fight with mercutio and tybalt like where they just cut every setup I never would have thought to compare this movie with Romeo and Juliet that in, in my life, but we've now done that. <laughs> well, both people die. No, Meaning Ly- Lygia and Vincent Price's character. And it looked like Elizabeth Shepard died. And at that point, I was kind of like, what even is this movie? Oh, there was multiple times where it looked like she died, Ben. It looked like she died from the cut on her hand by the randomly, strategically, conveniently placed glass fake door that led to where Vincent Price was hiding Lygia's body. There was the time where Vincent Price kissed her, and it looked like she came back to life, and then the cat jumped up and she died again. And then there was the time when Vincent Price mistook her for Lygia and strangled her. Which she came back from. Again, this is why I say there's a supernatural element because you can't say it's psychological when she's in a carriage going away from the place and the cat or Legia dies and she's suddenly like back to life. There's no way she would have known. So the cat was Legia in spirit, was being controlled by that. And when the cat died, Legia died and she was able to live her own life. Well, that also didn't make sense to me. Because, like, earlier when they're doing the burial for Lygia and the cat jumps onto the casket or whatever, and Lygia's eyes open. That was kind of freaky. But then later on, the one salty dude digs up the grave and lights Lygia on fire. For one thing, that is messed up. Also, she was made out of wax. But he still dug her up and lit her on fire. And then she's made of wax. Wax people's eyes don't move. How do you know 
a couple years had passed since she died. It could have been he dug her back up and replaced her. Well, that's what I'm meaning. Like, if he had been under this hypnotism thing, would he have even buried her? Who knows, Ben? It's a weird movie. It just seemed like it. a lot of their plot points just didn't hit with me. Or didn't make sense. I I don't know. Weirdly enough, this is um one of Vincent Price's favorite films, I was told, by Elizabeth Shepard, and one of Elizabeth Shepard's favorite films. So I think if you look at it though for the acting part, like for what they're able to do, I mean there's a lot of um, scenes in there that for especially for theater actors that I'm sure they probably loved. It's just for a, a movie type experience. It just um, like I said, there's parts where it just drags or just jumps for no apparent reason. Um, anything else you guys had problems with in the film? Well, you didn't say what your problems were yet. I yes, think yes, I yes. did with screenplay oh, and pacing. Yeah. Sorry, I thought. It's okay. You're used to Ben ranting and going off. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I love the cat. The cat was was always there, you know, and it was always it was. I, I love the scenes where the cat's in. I'm an animal lover. I didn't like it that the cat died, but I mean, I do like the scenes. But also, the cat. the cat was evil. I liked it that the cat died. The cat was possessed by the spirit of Ligeia, so was the cat really evil? Was the cat really still alive if it was possessed by Ligeia? Was the cat even a cat? That's true. Was the cat even there? Was the cat even a cat? Did Vincent Price just think he got his eyes scratched out and go insane and knock things over and then choke an imaginary cat to death? No one else admitted to seeing the cat. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Not in that last scene. In the whole rest of the movie. In that last scene, there was only two people in that scene. Lygia in cat form and Vincent Price. So maybe Lygia can transform. Well, not anymore because she's dead. Is she? Yes. Also, wasn't part of the thing like that he would never marry somebody else, but he literally had a wedding Did that was that weird to anybody else? Like he's gone on his honeymoon already. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing was that like, Lygia had hypnotized him and he couldn't marry anyone else. So, if he already went and got married again, like, how does that make any sense? Oh, they're passing notes back and forth now. I passed Even. Michaela the poster. That they written the film came out with and has a little tag sentence. <laughs> Even on her wedding night, she must share the man she loved with the female thing that lived in the tomb with of the cat. But that's the thing. We didn't see them on their wedding night. <laughs> that had nothing to do with the whole thing. Like the sentence makes no sense. Like, there was, like you guys had said before, if they, since he had stopped wearing his glasses while he was away from the house and Ligia's tomb and all that stuff, he had probably gotten away from the whole 
hypnotism thing at that time. And and if that's true, then he did go and get married. So how like why is this a thing when he gets back? Like he's already broken it basically. I thought you said you gave up trying to try to understand this film, yet you keep trying to understand it. I think we broke you, Ben. <laughs> I mean, I was in this film for, like, the first scene when they were burying the thing, and then it got to that thing that a lot of movies that came out around this time did, which was chase foxes for no apparent reason. It's when called being... fox hunting. But still, like, it serves no real plot point, except we now know that Lady Rowena rides horses pretty darn well. And likes to jump things and didn't re- wasn't particularly interested in that dude. But it helped her to meet Vern, <laughs> Vern, Vernon Fell without the, you know, because that was the reason she went to the, uh, the ruins of the Abbey because she found them. She fa- ran into him. She, um, the, actually, before she ran into him, the cat scared her, which made her fall on top of the tomb of Lygia. And uh, then Vernon which came out and that scared her again, which she fainted again. Which was also kind of weird, because she almost did, like, a character 180 at that point. Like, she started acting completely differently after she fell into the tomb. The spirit was starting to consume her. Supernatural. You can't understand the supernatural, Ben. Don't try to. It's supernatural. I think we're just kind of talking in circles now. I think so, too. All right, let's go to recommends. I'm curious to see how this goes. Ben! Would you recommend the Tomb of Lygia to anybody? If you've consumed lots of substances that make it so that you cannot think well, <laughs> watch this movie and it'll make sense probably. That's a strong probably. Leaning towards the sides of nowhere in heck. So you don't recommend this movie? Um. Except to those that are inebriated. Maybe if you, like, grew up in the 60s and 70s, it'll make more sense. So I'd give it, like, a... I'd recommend it to somebody who was really into Poe. And no one else. Okay. Michaela? I would probably not recommend this movie to most of the people that I know. Unless, like Ben said, they really did like the works of Edgar Allan Poe or were big fans of Vincent Price or Elizabeth Shepard. Because I think if you were, if you just watch it for Vincent Price and Elizabeth Shepard or if you are familiar with uh, the work of Poe that they based it off of, it'd probably be more enjoyable for you. Um, but for your regular everyday person, probably not going to like it very much. So I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. So I, of course, am going to recommend it, but not with a strong recommend, a weak recommend for the average person. Um, as already stated, if you are um, a Vincent Price fan, a Poe fan, especially the Roger Corman Poe films, you're going to enjoy it a lot more. <coughs> you're you're going to enjoy it a lot more and get a lot more out of it. Uh, it's one of those things, it, it, this movie I think is an acquired taste, and it, like I said, I think with modern audiences, because of the pacing, 
it would be more problematic for a lot of those people that are watching it than it would maybe for people like Ben was trying to say that were out when this movie came out because they're used to pacing of the movies being different then. Yeah. Now, um, that's going to take us to the dice roll. And uh, Mikhail's going to be rolling the six-sided die in just a second to see who's going to be picking the next film. Yep. And just a reminder that um, the film that gets picked will not be the next episode coming out. The next episode will be the interview that my dad did with Elizabeth Shepard. So we're rolling for the episode after that. All right. And that would be a two. So, Ben... You're going to get to pick. <laughs> oh, dear God, no. Well, let, let's let Ben roll the eight-sided die. Okay, you want to roll the eight-sided die? No, nah, you roll it. Okay. okay, I'll roll it then. So this ends up being Wuchu de- de- Demon Slayer. So that would be a seven. So that's my pick. Right? Yes. Dear God. Wuchu Demon Slayer! <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to pick... I am 100% sure. Also, remember, um, for <coughs> oh, Jesus, had that cough again. Um, please remember, you can leave feedback for us. Um, you can go on Facebook page and leave us feedback there in the comment section. You could email us at diecastreviewpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, you can leave us um, comments on iTunes, you know, get rid of there, or I should say Apple Podcasts since they changed that all up and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ben, what else did you start doing recently for the podcast on social media? We now are on Instagram at Diecast Movie Review Podcast on Instagram. Yep. We have some nice posts out there. We're sending out links to our episodes. I'll send out the Spotify link on Instagram. Uh... I'll also make a post each time that we put out a new episode with a picture. Yep. Yeah, nice so you can now also follow us on Instagram. Yes. A nice little IG post. Awesome. And eventually, Michaela will be getting this on other multimedia sites. Yes, oh. eventually. Yeah, you can also contact us on Instagram in the Messenger thing. DM us if you have any questions or concerns or and again please leave us feedback i know this 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 episode might be a little controversial to some that um two out of three people did not recommend tomb of hygiene (coughs) you know and that kind of thing and um you know feel free to leave your comments as to why you felt it should be recommended or if you agree with us remember to try to make it constructive feedback you know or criticism um not just one word or two words, because it's kind of hard to interpret meaning sometimes with just a two-word response. Yeah, and so I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, Stay tuned next time to see which movie we'll pick next. All sound data and recordings used by the Diecast Movie Review Podcast are the sole property of the Diecast Movie Review Podcast and may not be used without the permission of members of the Diecast Movie Review Podcast casting team. Thank you.